In the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with them. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth, went out by families from the ark. Good morning, Matt Carvel here. Hope you're well, hope you've enjoyed uh, discussing last week's sermon, maybe in your small groups or with friends and family. We're here this week and, well, things have, things have changed. Uh, the advice has changed, some of the restrictions have changed. Maybe this week you've uh, gone back to work, uh, perhaps, but probably for many of us, the lockdown is, is still the same uh, as it has been. But I wonder if you've maybe sort of cast your mind ahead of the current situation and started dreaming of the things that you're going to do when the lockdown is lifted. What's the, what's the top five things that you're going to do? Who's the first person that you're going to hug Where's the place that you're going to get your first flat white from? Are you going to go all out for a classy cocktail or just a pint down the pub? How about which three-mile queue are you going to join in order to get your hair cut? Well, we've reached a story in uh, Genesis, the story of Noah, uh, where he has got out of the ark. His lockdown has been lifted after over a year uh, with his household and the, all the animals. Uh, he's able to get out, take his first steps onto uh, dry ground uh, again. And for Noah, in a similar way that it is and it will be for us, the world that he's stepping into is a very different one than the one he left before. We are finding and will find that. Maybe the, the place that we're longing to go to, that restaurant or cafe, it won't be open in the, in the future. Maybe we're in a situation where the things that we enjoyed doing in the past, going to gigs, uh, seeing performances, that's just not going to be the same. There won't be the same experience uh, when we finally get to do them uh, again. Maybe for you, the job that you had before the coronavirus is not your job anymore because that's come to an end. Or maybe most tragically of all, the, the person that you want to hug, you're not able to because they've lost their life over the last few weeks. Well, the world that Noah is stepping into is certainly a very bleak world as well as being a, a different world. I've never witnessed the aftermath uh, of, of a great flood, but I'm sure it's a horrific scene. And what's more, I think probably what is going through Noah's mind is just being in awe that God is the one who has brought this about. And I said last week that I'd return to this uh, idea and thought about, about judgment. The fact that I'm telling you, you know, God is great. God is, remembers us. He is for us. He's a God of grace and a God of love. But in the context of that, we have God wiping out a whole generation uh, of people. 
And I just want to speak into the sort of consistency of God's character with that. I do want to encourage you to, if you haven't already gone back and and watched the previous messages in this series where Joel preached through Genesis 6, Genesis 9, a lot of these themes of judgment were right in there. So please make the most of them. But the only thing I want to add is that actually... Faced with evil and evil that is growing, evil that's on the rampage, which is what the society was described as in Genesis there. Actually, it is good and right and just to even forcefully oppose that. Catherine and I last weekend uh, watched that film, Darkest Hour, uh, linking into the uh, VE Day commemorations. Maybe you watched it recently as well. Right there, when it talks about, you know, it's about uh, Churchill and he, he's how he responds to the threat. And he said, no, it is good, it is right to stand up to this, to say, no, evil won't continue to grow. And in a society where children are being born into a society, growing up, being corrupted by the society, become more bloodthirsty and hell-bent, than, than even their parents, for God to say, no, enough, that's coming to an end now, is consistent with a God who is good and who is loving. When I think and see the evidences of evil, the wrong things, very wrong things that people do in this world, is a reassurance to me that there is a God of justice who also sees that and doesn't turn a blind eye. Even though God is patient and the justice might not come straight away, But justice is coming. God is and will deal with everything that's wrong in our world. That's the story of the Bible. And that's a reassurance to me and consistent with a God who is good and who is loving. But this world that Noah is stepping into, yes, there is that bleak death all around. But it's also an opportunity to start again. It's a fresh start for Noah. God has chosen not to wipe everyone out, but to preserve Noah and his family, be merciful to them as an opportunity to start again. And in this passage that we've heard, there really is that theme of of recreation. Maybe if the only part of the Bible uh, you've ever read might be the first few pages of it. Maybe you picked up a copy of the Bible in a hotel one time when you were bored. Even if you've just done that, there'll be familiar phrases in this passage that we're looking at today, that phrase, be fruitful and multiply. It says that of the animals in the next chapter that we'll read. It also says that towards Noah and his family. And when God says that, he's not just saying, you know, just have children and populate the world. What he's speaking about is God's desire for people, human beings to flourish. The Bible says that God has created people in his image And there are many ways that we are to do that, reflecting the many aspects of God's character and what God is like. God wants us to flourish. God wants us to be creative. He wants us to be artistic. He wants us to bring beauty and cause beauty to come up and flourish and be industrious and be fruitful in our labor. He wants us to be adventurous and scale mountains and explore valleys to express what God is like in our existence. And I think many of us have this desire. I want my life to mean something. I want to flourish. I want to use what I have and flourish. But also our personal lives also reflect the, the, the pattern of all human life. And it's the way the Bible describes it, where we have this desire to flourish. But we're also, very quickly, we seem to mess things up. Things go wrong. We don't do things as we should. We fall short. And Noah in this passage, has an opportunity 
for a fresh start. And I wonder whether you have that desire or have had that desire in your life. I just I want a fresh start. I want to turn the page. Things in my life haven't been going so well, so I want a fresh start. We have that desire. I think that's very much the human story. Things going badly, and then let's have a fresh start. Let's start again. Maybe for you, I think for many people, lockdown has been that opportunity, an opportunity to press the reset button, a sort of slowing down of the pace of life and thinking, right, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do something better. I was uh, reading recently, just in the last few days, about a survey saying how many people have started a new skill or uh, had a new hobby or something like that. And many people are uh, taking the opportunity to uh, have a new fitness regime. Or, or maybe it's for, for you, it's about, I'm, I'm going to do better in my parenting of my children. I'm going to uh, make up for the mistakes of the past and be present and, and do things really well. We love Fresh starts. It's exciting. There's something exciting about an opportunity like that. Maybe for you, it's not specifically being this lockdown, but there's maybe times in the past where you've, you've had a new job or you've moved to a new city or even a new, new country. Maybe you just got a new wardrobe and you think, right, I'm going to be a new me. Maybe for you, it's, it's relationships. You've had to start again with some friendships maybe and Maybe it's with a new spouse. That's been a time and opportunity for a restart. And I think within that, there's a desire to start again, to not make the same mistakes as before. You know, I remember in my life when I was retraining as a school teacher, you suddenly go back to university and amongst those are people that don't know you. How am I going to present myself? How am I going to do things well this time? Stepping into that staff room for the first time. It's a fresh opportunity. And even we have that sense of, I want to do things better this time. A few years ago, I watched a film with my wife uh, called Wild, which is the story, is based on a true story of a, a woman uh, who, who really, really messes up her life. Um, there's a lot of grief in there. There's loss. But she's also made uh, some really bad mistakes, caused the breakdown of her marriage gets divorced and then the way she responds to that for reasons that not weren't quite clear to me but anyway the way that she wants to respond is she's going to set off on this a thousand mile hike she's going to do something she's going to do something radical to move beyond start a new chapter an idea of finding herself perhaps a shot a redemption perhaps because all the way through she's haunted by this idea that she's not the person that she hoped she would be she looks back in her life and somewhere along the line, she started making bad choices and things didn't go right. And she, she fell short of the standards that she had set for her life. Maybe you've not done something as radical as going on a, a thousand mile hike. But have you ever, you ever sat and looked at your life and thought, you know, I'm, I'm not the person I hoped I'd be. I've, I've fallen short. I think that resonates. I think perhaps if we've not ever ever despaired of our life in one sense, we've probably not really been honest with ourselves. When we look inside our lives and think, actually, there's a lot of rubbish there. There's a lot of things in me that are not good. And perhaps, like this example, after a bit of wallowing, we think, right, no, I want a new start. The instinct is to, to start again, to turn the page, show the world that we're, that we're made of something. I think that idea is often spurred along by the messages that our culture often gives us. Things like be the best version of yourself. 
You could say in one sense we're, we're a society of fresh starts. We're a culture of new chapters. We have a million ways to reinvent ourselves all the time. We're encouraged to do that. You know, don't dwell. Don't dwell on the mistakes of the past. Back yourself. Look forward. Be positive about your opportunities that you have in life. Be the best version of yourself. But what happens when the best version of yourself still isn't very good? What do we do with that? What do we do when we try and be positive and then we go for that job and we don't get it? We go for that audition and they say, actually, you're not quite good enough. What about we put our heart and soul into a relationship? We thought we found the one and then that relationship comes to an end again. No matter how hard you try, you're still never as smart, never as good, never as good looking, never as talented or gifted as they are or or they are. What do we do with that? Where do we go with that? The problem with these paper-thin philosophies and these meaningless mantras is they don't lift a finger to help. The world offers us a million opportunities for a fresh start. But is that actually what we need? Tomorrow might be a brand new day. But if we end up making the same mistakes as we did yesterday, then what really has changed? More new chapters don't help when we're stuck in the same old story. And if you're anything like me, what happens is sooner or later, your limitations, your weaknesses, your sin catches up with you. And you think, here I am again. How do, how do you escape that? You see, we can change the externals. But what about the internals? When I look at my heart, I see I'm still prone to be insecure, prone to be selfish, prone to be lazy, prone to be jealous, prone to anger, to resentment of other people. I look at my life and say the same thing. I'm, I'm not the person that I hoped I would be. You see, being the best version of yourself is something that is very hard to maintain. How often is it possible to be the best version of yourself? Once a month? Less than I know in my life, there are very few days that I'm the best husband, father, friend, pastor, Christian that I could be. If that's my standard, if that's what I'm aiming at, I'm just going to fall short again. And I do fall short again and again and again. What do you do with that? You're going to walk another thousand miles? What then? I think one of the ways that we cope with that is that we, do, we settle for looking like the best version of ourselves. I think social media gives us the opportunity to do that. What we do is we take snapshots of our lives, we take 15 photographs of something that's happening right now, and we choose the precise one that the lighting's just right and it looks spontaneous and we've captured a moment and you say, right, you can look at that. You can look at that snapshot of my life because I'm, I'm happy with that. But we don't want people to really look at our lives from from every angle. That's something that would make us very, very uncomfortable because you know under the surface there's stuff that we don't want people to see. How about instead of your friends flicking through the pictures that you post, they're able to flick through the things that you've done that you're ashamed of. The things that you said when you were angry. The 
judgmental thoughts that you had, even about people that you're very close to? What about if people could flick through your internet browsing history? The lies that you told, the the corners that you cut, the ways that you have let down the people that you love. You see, there's no angle or there's no Instagram filter that's going to make that stuff look good. It's no wonder we want a fresh start. Because a lot of pages in our lives are, are, are pretty grotty. They're stained with sin. That's the human story in the Bible. It's the human story in our lives. Each page we turn, we mess. We stain with the things that we do wrong, say wrong, think that are wrong. And even Noah, even Noah, we'll get to it in a few weeks. He's given this opportunity of a fresh start and it's not long before he falls short too. But hey, the good news of this message is not, isn't it great that we get fresh starts? No, no. The good news is that it is possible to be cleaned inside and out. Have a fresh start that keeps every page clean. But it's not possible in our efforts. We need God. We need God for that. The story of the world is one where we have fresh starts, but we make a mess of them too. And the story of God is that he is patient. Even in the story of Noah, he gives people 120 years to to change. Plenty of opportunities to get things right again, but they don't, just like we don't. But there comes a time where he has to deal and he will deal with sin and evil in the world. He'll deal with the wrong that's out there and he'll deal with the wrong that's in here. And there are two options. There are two ways that God deals with with sin. One is the waters of judgment. And we've seen a picture of that in Noah. And it points to a future judgment that is coming. But there's also the waters of cleansing. These two waters. You know, something gets stained in your house, you can clean it or you throw it away. Well, that's the situation the world is in, stained. What is God going to do? Is he going to cleanse? Is he going to judge Those options are there. So how can we be cleansed? How can we get our lives sorted? How can we be free of the judgment that we deserve, just like people in Noah's day deserved? How can we be like Noah, who God brought safely through the waters? What we need is baptism. You thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? Well, that's what the Bible says. Listen to this passage from 1 Peter chapter 3. Speaking of Noah, it says, God waited patiently in the days of Noah. It says, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, not the externals, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It talks about inner cleaning, having a clear conscience before God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine your life without any sense of guilt, any sense of shame, And that's standing before God, who is the great judge of the universe, who sees everything, every thought, every word, every deed. He sees it all. And it's possible, it says, through baptism, 
that we can be in that state before God. How is that possible? Now listen, it's not saying that the water in of itself is has magical properties. No, because it's saying not the removal, not the external, not just the water on your skin that is causing that. But what happens in baptism? Baptism is where someone personally identifies with the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in that way, this passage is saying that is how baptism saves you. It saves you because you put your whole life onto the death and the resurrection of Jesus. You completely trust in him and you say, this is an act of faith. I'm demonstrating that this is what I'm doing with my life, dying and rising again with Jesus Christ. You see, in Jesus, God brings together these waters of judgment and the waters of cleansing. Our sin is judged and condemned with Jesus Christ on the cross. The resurrection means that we are raised with Christ to a new life where sin has been dealt with, been forgiven by God, been covered by the cross. And we have an opportunity. We're able, we're caused by Christ to become clean before God, spiritually washed completely. That's what it says. Romans 6 Verse 4, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we're not just improved slightly. We're not even just forgiven. We're given a new, clean life where all our sin is dealt with and we can stand righteous before God. That is the radical thing that has happened in the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5 also says the same thing. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what are they? A little bit holy? A little bit better than they were? No, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Christ makes us righteous. Christ makes us completely holy. Christ is the waters of cleansing that we need. And so becoming a Christian is not about, it's not about agreeing with Jesus' death. Yeah, I agree. Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. That doesn't make you a Christian. It's trusting your life to Jesus' death and trusting your life to Jesus' resurrection. Jesus didn't just die on the cross. He died on the cross for me. I put my faith fully in him. I died with him to my old way of life. I gave it to Jesus. And just as Christ was raised from the dead on Easter Sunday, so I also am raised with him. I've been born again, spiritually raised with him. And one day I'll physically be raised with him and everyone will see it. The cleansing that has happened because of Jesus. We didn't earn it. We didn't uh, make ourselves better. Christ cleaned us completely. This death and life is essential. And that's why baptism is essential because it reflects that fundamental change that has happened. So I have to ask you, has Christ died for your sin? Have you come to him in that way? Have you been washed? Because you need to. You need to have this waters of cleansing. Otherwise, you're going to have these waters of judgment. Christ comes to us, comes into the world to offer us this, that we might be spared this judgment, that we might be saved through him and be united with him in his glorious, glorious resurrection. 
whether you're a Christian or you're not yet a Christian, this is what you need. No amount of fresh starts is going to rid your life from the sin and the wrong that is in it. Only God can do that. Only Jesus can do that in your life. And so we must come to him today. Maybe you need to come to Christ for the first time. But also, let me say this before I finish. Because Christians can get even into the the pattern of thinking, right, I just want another new start. I know I've let God down today, and so tomorrow I'm going to do better. Don't promise that you'll do better. Don't promise that to God. Because you probably won't. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not, I'm going to do better for God. It's embracing what Jesus has already done. We can earn our way to cleansing. We receive cleansing. His mercy is new every morning. Every day before you wake up, you are not righteous before God because you tried hard or you said your prayers today. You are righteous as a gift from Jesus and he wants you to embrace that and enjoy that and live from that place. He is our fresh start. Don't ask God for more fresh starts. Embrace the fresh start he has already given you in Christ. He is the only fresh start you will ever need.